was in jail Road trip, yeah, I'm trafficking the white Please, Lord, don't let me go to jail tonight Who me? I'm a soul survivor Ask about him in the street, the boy Jesus arrived A hundred grand on my wrist, yeah, life sucks Fuck the club, dog. I'd rather count a million bucks Your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. We finally made it to the pinnacle, to the top of the mountain, the Stanley Cup Finals. Benny, what up, baby? I thought you were talking about the Rangers coaching search. I guess there's still some playoff hockey going on. Well, I was like, oh, Rangers, you guys are basically starting over now that John Hines is back in the mix. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. I, I texted you earlier. You you already know what my feelings are going to be <laughs> on this whole thing. Um, but, yeah, so Stanley Cup final starts on the third. Saturday night. Yep, Saturday night. Um, a 10-day layoff of Florida. Uh, so we'll see if that impacts them. But we'll get into our Stanley Cup final uh kind of mini preview and and our picks uh coming up but besides the rangers still looking for the coach a couple organizations already made decisions on that front uh the capitals landed the new hot assistant spencer uh carberry from toronto um everybody kind of thought he was going to be the heir apparent in toronto i think he kind of read the writing on a wall when Dubis leaves, which we'll get into. New GM typically means they fire the the head coach and assistants are usually let go. So I don't think Carberry was going to be promoted under a new GM to be a head coach in Toronto. So he got out while the iron was hot. He ends yeah, up in Washington. A so, little bit of a homecoming there for him, too, because he was in Hershey with yep. Washington for a while. Yeah, and he yeah, coached the AHL team. Uh Went to Toronto, coached the Marlies, took over the power play with the Maple Leafs. Um, pretty much everywhere he's gone, he's been uh, successful. So he was the number one target for a lot of these teams. And Washington's kind of in that spot where they're not rebuilding, but are they really a legitimate contender? So they're kind of tr- probably trying to uh, catch lightning in a bottle with Carberry and see if he can get anything more out of uh, this aging veteran core that they have in Washington. Do you think it's a good fit? Uh, do you, how do you think this impacts like the Capitals uh, off season in terms of their roster construction? Um, so I think Carberry is a good fit there. I think first time go at it. He has a lot of veteran leadership around him, which I think for a first time coach is a huge thing just with within the team dynamic itself uh, going a little further. I mean, We've talked about it all this year as to was Washington good enough? We didn't think the roster was there. You know, was it Laviolette? Was it the players? We've kind of bounced back and forth a little bit. Clean slate for both of them. I mean, as for roster contingency as to what they're going to make up, I mean, they have to be better. I don't think they performed as to what their possible potential was. The core there is not getting any younger. 
So I think they're going to have to start transitioning to a younger roster where I think Carberry is going to thrive, especially yeah. with all his AHL experience and then kind of going towards the younger generation there. I think he's going to be able to develop really well. This is more of a, we'll see if he can help extend this uh, kind of run that the Ovechkin errors had in terms of being contenders. But if he doesn't, I think obviously the real goal is he's familiar with the organization. Uh, he's coached some of their top prospects that are still with the Capitals organization. Mm-hmm. He's here. He's here for years three and four of his deal, more so than uh, years one and two. I think one and two, if they contend, is just gravy. I don't know. They obviously wouldn't tell Ovechkin that and be like, hey, we're not going to try and contend a whole bunch this next year or two, and we're going to transition to younger kids. But, I mean, they keep saying, we want to get OV one more cup. We want to get a one more cup. But you look at the roster, they're locked in pretty much everywhere. Um, what You're not going to get much out of Backstrom. I think Kuznetsov is going to be on it on a move. I mean, he's already 31. Like, it's weird that I always still think he's like 25. Um, yeah. o- Oshie yeah. has almost nothing left. Mantha was a bust. And then, like, you, I don't know. Their roster is kind of like, on paper, looks like it should be good, but you just know it's not going to be. And there's not much wiggle room to, like, blow it up. So it's just kind of riding out these contracts over the next two years. Yeah, I saw a thing the other day, and I mean, obviously it's end of the year rumor, so who knows what's true and what's not. But one of them said they're desperately trying to get rid of Mantha's contract. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. The thing is, Washington, I think more so than almost any other team in the league, is a team that if they had an unlimited buyout and like remember the amnesty buyouts mm-hmm. after the lockouts if they had like the two slots again like after one of the lockouts were like you can buy out two guys and it's not going to count against the cap washington's going to be like can we get that to three <laughs> yeah can we get just one more on there <laughs> um but yeah so we'll see what happens you know you see a lot of these up-and-coming young coaches come in. Dallas Eakins was one of them, and he's been let go twice now. Uh, we'll see what Carberry does. He could be in the next Cooper. Who knows? Um, but Washington's definitely looking for the future with this hire. Uh, the other formal announcement was that Nashville has hired Andrew Burnett to replace John Hines. Um, kind of odd what Trotz did since coming in where he didn't fire Hines right away, but he knew he wasn't going to keep him because he interviewed six candidates. So it's kind of weird. He kept him like on the hook for a month hiring replacements or interviewing replacements. I mean, even more awkward that it was funny because I see the other day it's so like, you know, you, you log on to like Instagram or whatever and, and you're getting like the updates by the minute. And it's like, 16 minutes ago, John Hines fired by the Nashville Predators. And then it goes, 14 minutes ago, Andrew Brunette hired. I go, that <laughs> wasn't already ready to go. <laughs> yeah. And Trotz has said, uh, like, you look at the roster, the league is transitioning to more goals, more offense, power play, uh, like a 
legitimate power play is a better uh, tool for success than a number one penalty kill at this point. And Trotz hires Brunette, who he, he looks at as somebody who can create an offensive strategy, kind of like what he did with Florida. Look at what happened when Lindy Ruff brought in in New Jersey. Who knows how much of that should be credited to Brunette, but it kind of seems that where he goes, either as an assistant or interim uh, boss, the teams flourish offensively. And you look at Nashville, who's never been known for that, and they do have guys, Duchesne, Johansson, uh, Tarasino. All these guys kind of flatlined, especially this past year under Hines. Tolvin and Leaves goes to Seattle and looks like every bit the part of what he should have been in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um and then apparently at the end of team meetings, uh, a lot of the veterans on the Predators basically said Heinz has lost the room. And when Trotz talked about one of the reasons why you hired Brunette, he said, my number one reason is that I know he can relate to and motivate players. The team will play for him. So yeah, kind of a dig on. at Heinz there. Yeah. Um, I think this is a great hire for Nashville, and I think it's a great hire for Brunette. I think he's going to come into a situation where just being the new guy is going to get more buy-in and more enthusiasm from the room. And besides just being more creative offensively, he's going to look like a million bucks in the Music City. He's going to come in. Nashville is going to play significantly better than they did last year. Their offense is going to look completely different. Um, you still have Saros and goal. You still have UOC on the back end. And he's going to get all the credit in the world along with Trotsch turning this thing around, more so than I think any coaching hire that can come in unless a new guy comes in and wins the cup in the first year. Like, we both picked Nashville to go on a run, and they completely flatlined this year. And a lot of that apparently is because of Heinz. Now, I mean, I heard you guys are interview him. How do you feel about that? Yeah, so... I mean, technically, he was right across the river, so he can handle that New York media. Dude, the Rangers got him fired from New Jersey. Like, the Rangers beat the devil so bad at the Prue that he got fired after the game. He ends up going to Nashville. Um, so here's the number that I want to... Besides that quote from Trotz basically saying that the players quit on Hines... In nine years as an NHL head coach, he has never finished higher than fourth place. His career record is 284, 254, and 63. And his teams have qualified for the playoffs four times, never making it out of the first round. He's been fired twice now from two different organizations where players quit on him as the head coach, one in midseason. And then after he leaves in New Jersey, Jack Hughes takes off as a monster. Miles Wood takes off. Like all these guys come in and play better. All these young guys come in and develop more. And that's exactly what's going to happen in Nashville. So for him to get fired and then having that career record, having that history, and Chris Drury goes, oh yeah, I want me some of that. It's fucking ridiculous, dude. Like, I know he has a, he played with Hines in Boston uh, during college. Who gives a flying fuck, dude? We're trying to win the Stanley Cup. I like. First of all, the Rangers have been moving 
slow as fuck with their coaching decision, which leads me to believe they don't like any of the candidates that they've talked to. And if they did end up with one of the people they've interviewed, it was because a better option didn't come along. Maybe you should have thought about that before you made your initial list. Gallant had to go. But since Gallant's left, here's, here's exactly who Drury has interviewed. Peter Laviolette, who had his second interview today. People said he was a front-runner for the job. If he's a front-runner for the job, why are we waiting? If you like him so much, why are we waiting? It's obvious that Drury and the Rangers aren't so sure about him. So that's why as soon as Hines gets fired, Drury's like, oh, can we interview him? Why would you still be interviewing other candidates if you liked LaViolette? So that's one thing. The second thing is the only other candidates that they actually interviewed was Carberry, who they knew he wasn't going to New York. Like he had his choice. Why would he go to New York? And Jay Leach. And all along, the sources from the Rangers front office have leaked. We're not going to hire a first-time head coach. So you interview Leach for what reason? Just to get an idea of his thoughts of the franchise? So really, the only coach before Hines that they've interviewed is LaViolette. You've interviewed exactly one guy. And you were so disappointed in that interview process that as soon as another mediocre option becomes available, you jump all over it. I don't understand what they're looking for here. If Drury is just looking for somebody he gets along with because him and Gallant had some problems and Drury has a prior relationship with Hines, if you just want a puppet, you'd be the fucking head coach then. Like, pull a Glenn Sather, be GM and head coach, and let's fucking rock here. If the Rangers hire Hines, I'm boycotting next season. Like, I know fans a lot of times say, I'll quit. I'll never watch them again. I, I am dead serious. I will not watch the Rangers next year, no matter what. I don't care if they make it to the Stanley Cup final. If they hire Hines, I'm not watching. It's ridiculous that so you hire a lot and you end up with, oh, LaViolette or John Hines. How fucking exciting. So after, so there's a chance that after preseason predictions, we may not have any episodes next year. Oh, no. We'll talk about everything but the Rangers, my friend. <laughs> like, I'll pick, I'll pick a new team for next season. And I'll completely just, be all I'm in on board. him. I like that. All right. Like, fuck John Hines. Like, I don't know him as a person, but as a head coach, I'd rather have a steaming pile of dog shit behind a bench. I'd rather have no coach. I'm sure the Rangers, with their veteran players, can do a better job on their own than having John Hines behind a bench. You can't hire John Hines and, and consider yourselves a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. You're trying to get over the hump. Not put the hump higher above you. I don't get it. Like, if you don't like the candidates, start reaching out to other ones. Don't just settle. Like, that's the feeling I'm getting with the Rangers is, well, I'm not really sold on any of them, but we got to pick one. You know who I want to be the head coach? Because Quenville's not happening. I understand why. He's probably not going to get reinstated. Like, there was talk of Toronto might want to hire him. That's even worse than him going to New York. <laughs> For his first oh, up there. Mention. Oh, yeah. Give me fucking Patrick Waugh, dude. Like, give me one. a little fire behind the bench. Not a first-time NHL head coach. He's one coach of the year. He's developed young players. His team's competing for the Memorial Cup. That might be a boost for Lafreniere and Hedl and Kako and Zach Jones. Give me him. 
he's not a first-time head coach. He can coach young players. McKinnon loves him when he was his coach in Colorado. And he's going to walk in with instant respect being the best or one of the best goaltenders of all time, Hall of Famer, and he has experience running a room. Give me him. Like, what's the hold up? And I mean, and with how wild and crazy he is, I mean, I uh, I don't think the players will be acting out of line either. <laughs> and that's the thing. You kind of need, like, even LaViolette, right? I LaViolette is the definition of a bland hire. Like, he's, been, he's coached, like, 85 teams in the NHL, and he gets fired, and then he never takes a break, moves immediately to the next job, gets hired, and then is fired two or three years later, and then he get, moves on to the next team. He's like a hired gun. Even Laviolette, if that's the choice, at least brings a different element to the room than Gallant did, where he doesn't take shit. He has that Boston attitude. Like We've all seen him ready to fight Tony Granato uh, in the playoffs a couple years ago when he was the coach of the Flyers. Like At least he brings something different, and you can point to what his actual – uh, system is. It's very transition heavy. Demon get involved. Like if you're a puck moving and mobile defenseman, you're going to thrive under Laviolette. And the Rangers have Fox Miller and Zach Jones, who's in Hartford, who would benefit from it. I can see a benefit to bringing Laviolette in. I'm not a super excited, but I can see. John Hines brings fucking nothing besides Drury can know that he will do whatever Drury tells him to do. And that's not what we're hiring for, Chris. We're trying to win a sailing cup here. So that's my thoughts. If it's between Laviolette and Hines, give me Laviolette eight days a week. If you're not enthused about Laviolette, I swear to God, dude, call up Patrick from your time in Colorado and bring him in for an interview. So that's where we stand. If I, Dude, I'm telling you, man, I am dead serious. If between now and the next time we talk, the Rangers hire Hines, I'm done. I'm done until Hines is gone. <laughs> we, we might have to go catch a game in New York next year to see the abuse you give Chris. So <laughs> I'm, I'm excited just the the possibility of that. Oh, how would he get abuse? He doesn't show up to the fucking games. He sits either well, uh, in a perch or in his office uh, away from the garden. Like He doesn't even show his face around too much. Well, then we'll have to go to Westchester. That's yeah. fine. Terror Town. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so those are my thoughts. I, dude, it can't be Hines. It can't be Hines. I'll take Laviolette, but if it's not going to be Coach Q, give me Wah. Like, let's go. I mean, you, you'd you like Hines over Hunts, though, right? I mean, I, don't, I would always go Hines 57. <laughs> I was like, wait, who's Hunts? Who's available? <laughs> I could just cycle through my coaching Rolodex really quick with Hunts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing is they're saying that jury might be waiting to see what happens in Pittsburgh and Toronto. Toronto... This is a little segue to get into the Maple Leaf situation. They let Dubas go. Shanahan bringing the fucking Darth Vader vibes to that whole situation where he's like, I didn't like the conversation we had on his drive home and what he said in the press conference, so I fired him. <laughs> uh, so Dubas leaves, which means Sheldon Keefe is probably on a chopping block as any day now, now that they hired uh, Trevling. 
And then Dubas is rumored to go to Pittsburgh. And if he goes to Pittsburgh, does he keep Sullivan? He'd be stupid to let Sullivan go. But the only holdup for the Rangers apparently is to see if one of or both of Keefe or Sullivan get let go. And then they might make a move on one of those two. I just want to go as to, I think Toronto has finally got it right by hiring a GM like Brad Treveling. And I say this because after the pickle or the pretzel that Keith Kachuk, um, I'm sorry, Matthew Kachuk put them in last year as to, I'm not signing here, I'm leaving. And then for him to make the trade with Florida, you know, the first sign and trade in hockey of, getting back Huberdeau and Uyghur, Trevling has balls. I was going to say. And he's, I was gonna say. And he's not going to be put on a stronghold or anything like that. And to me, it makes me feel that another blockbuster is coming this summer with him. One of those players is getting pushed out of Toronto. Yeah, and he's – And I know exactly what he's saying. He is the guy that's not going to be afraid to pull that trigger. Exactly, and I love it. And I feel like – Dubis was so worried, and I mean, this is an opinion, this isn't a a factual thing, but I feel like Dubis was so worried because he was the guy who signed these people to these contracts. So I feel like at now this point, how can you go back on them after you signed Tavares to the big money that he got? You had the whole battle with Nylander, Nylander, for the last day that he could possibly sign as an RFA to then come in. Like to me, it's like, I feel like he was embedded to these guys who would not pull the trigger. Now you have a brand new guy in traveling. Who's not going to be strong armed. And I love it. And obviously if Matthews doesn't sign a deal before this season, there is no fucking way at that deadline He's keeping Matthews. Not happening. Now, the other aspect of it is, okay, they don't have it signed day one. Maybe it gets close to trade line, blah, blah, blah. I just think that traveling is not going to be pushed around no matter which way. And even before he got this job, obviously Toronto's in a state of ruin after, you know, hey, we won a first round, but we couldn't win a second. But now they're in a state of ruin because I've already heard rumors of Marner to Carolina. Like, I already hear rumors even when Dubas was gone before they even hired somebody. So if the rumor mill was already spinning before Treveling got there, I can only imagine it now. Call me. Everyone's available. Let me know if you want to make a deal. First of all, I heard that rumor too. What was that, Biz? That mentioned that? Biz had mentioned that, but there was it was even before he had mentioned it. Okay, I saw rumblings of it, and I'm going, it, like I didn't think Carolina was on the radar, but I mean we we can touch on them just with being outside of the playoffs now, where I think Carolina desperately needs a superstar. Uh, like they've been a team now that three conference finals in a row they've made it to, and three times they've been swept. Three years in a row. Well, no, and, the, well, the Rangers uh, knocked him out in round two. Carolina. Okay, no, but they, they've they've made three in a row, and they've gotten swept in all three. Okay, I see. Now, now, on the other end, it's like, okay, I feel like they need a superstar there. 
could Marner be that? Sure. I, I think Mitch is an, an incredible hockey player, but I also think that they would need to be bigger around him. I don't think they'd be able to keep get, well, they'd be able to keep Aho and Kakanyemi, but they would also need to be bigger around him for it to be a better place for those guys. Now, Rob's a great coach, N- nothing taken away from Rob. I mean, at some point though, at what point are Eastern conference finals, not good enough, you know, like, Hey, great. We can make it to here, but we want to go past here. So I think at some point they're going to have to look at that to just kind of evaluate as to whether it's a coaching or talent issue. Yeah. I mean, but now if I'm Toronto, there's know. no way I'm trading monitor in the conference, like, or Matthews in the conference, Carolina's off the table, especially since they're a perennial playoff team and you might play them next year in the playoffs. No fucking way. Am I dealing monitor to Carolina? I don't care if you offer me the best deal. Like, sorry, not happening. Like, that's just my opinion if I'm Toronto. But I agree with you that Trevlings was hired because his one job is to change the chemistry of this team. And my question for you is, let's say they deal Marner this offseason and Matthew still hasn't signed an extension this summer. So now Marner's gone. And then you're coming up in a deadline and still no extension. Could you see Toronto trading Monitor and Matthews within six months of each other? At You know what I mean? Like, Well, no, I can't. But on the other end of it, if Matthews walks at the end of next season, hey, you know what, guys? I'm going to test free agency. I appreciate it. And he's gone. What do they do? They'll burn the city down. Well, they still have Nylander. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like uh, on the other end of things, it's like it, you, you turn into the Tavares point for everyone across the board. And I think that yeah, going into the recent trade deadlines, I, I think, um, who was it there? Barzell with the Islanders signed that tender right before the trade deadline of last year. And that took him off the table because previous to that, I mean, that was the big fish on the pond. Now, if we're going into it this year and I think this year going at a trade deadline, anybody that was UFA knew they were on the go. Like I don't Bertuzzi didn't think twice. He knew he was leaving, you know, Hathaway knew he was going somewhere or love knew he was going somewhere. Like all those guys knew to keep their bags packed. Now this year, it's like, if we get to that point and that tender is not signed for the future, I think traveling has to move them. I think so. Let me ask you this scenario. You have an offer on the table from Marner and you've been trying to negotiate an extension with Matthews and his camp. Nothing comes to fruition. Would you rather choose between which one a deal then, or would you want to deal Monner and then start the season and buy yourself an extra couple months of negotiation with Matthews to see if he can get him locked up? Give me, hold on, I'm pulling it up right here. I just want to see Marner's guaranteed timeline of how long he's signed for. Let's see, Mitchell Marner. So Matthews is UFA end of this season. Marner is UFA the end of the season after, so twenty four twenty five. 
if that's the case, I would rather try to run and gun with Matthews, and I would unload Marner. And you'll get more from Marner. I mean, you'll get a haul for either one of them, but teams that trade for him this summer get two playoff runs out of him before he might leave as a free agent versus one. Exactly. So, um, But, yeah, I agree. Traveling was brought in there for a reason. Uh, he's going to break up the core. I think it it would be taking the pussy way out if all they do is trade Nylander. And then they walk into the next season. Oh, I agree. Like, hey, we traded one of our f- core young guys, Nylander, and we brought in a couple more big bodies for some sandpaper. Like, they need to trade. Whoever they trade, they need to get a goalie back in that fucking deal. I know Sam Sadoff played all right, but, like, they need a goaltender. And they need, like, their defense core is so overrated. Like, Giordano's toast. Like, Brody's toast. I think uh, Riley's one of the most overrated defensemen in the sport. Like, I'm not impressed by them at all. And if you lose one of Marner's or Matthew, it's like, Toronto doesn't fucking scare me. Like, they're kind of just like another middle of the pack team that has some talent that you got to watch out for, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, not to mention, too, their whole, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight forwards or UFA on the other end, too. Yeah. Uh, do you think Dubas goes to Pittsburgh? Does he want that job of being a guy who who basically ends the Crosby era? Not this summer, obviously, but like in the next like two years, three years, it's going to be no Malkin, no Latang, maybe Crosby. Well, I guess I'll ask a question back. An opinion point of it is, I guess ending the Crosby era is one way to put it, but the other way would be, there's no way he's dealing Crosby unless Crosby gives him a full blessing. And it's like, so what? Sid's going to retire? We knew that was going to happen eventually anyways. It would just be one thing if he went in there and he dealt them and said, all right, see you later, Sid. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, if anyone could walk into a great situation, at least team wise, it's probably Pittsburgh's probably the best one because you know what you have squared away. Um, You have Sully there as the coach. I don't think any GM's going to come in and move away from Sully down there. I just think that, okay, you know the timeline. All right, maybe, maybe Latang next year, you know, Dale's up. All right, we can unload him at the deadline, get something for him. You know, at least you can kind of play your cards a little bit where Toronto is, you're going to have to go in there and you have to do work because no matter what you're pushing out, you need just as equal or bigger of a return coming back. So I just think they're a little bit different of uh, animals. Yeah, Dubas reminds me of... uh... Theo Epstein and the new owners of the Penguins are the Fenway Sports Group. So I think they're looking for their boy wonder like they had success in yeah. in baseball. So I think Dubas fits the bill. I don't think Dubas is stupid enough to come in and be like, I inherited a coach. I need to let him go. Like when you have a guy like Sullivan. If he fires Sullivan, if Toronto and Trevling lets go of Keith, and then Dubas fires Sullivan and bring back Keith, Dubas is a fucking moron. <laughs> 
I was gonna say, yeah. At that point, he would get fired. <laughs> if I was if like, if I'm the owner, I'd be like, "Hey, thanks for the three weeks. I'll see you, pal. You did. It was great." So, but yeah, b- between now and then, I'm assuming all the coaching vacancies are going to be filled. Uh, you still have the Rangers. Uh, you have Anaheim, uh, Calgary, and Columbus. Um, we'll see who ends up where. Sounds like Leach is the number one for Anaheim. Uh, which I think is a good fit. Uh, I have no idea what Calgary is going to do. Um, they interviewed Mark Savard. Uh, they're going to be interviewing Gerard Gallant and uh, Todd Nelson. So we'll see where they go. And then Columbus. I like we like Yarko, but like, does anybody truly want that job with the division they're in and like the lack of franchise altering talent there? I know. They have Johnny Hockey. I know they have Line A, but like, are you really going to go from bottom of the barrel to a wild card spot in the Metro with that roster? I'd tell you what, I know who would be a great fit there in, in these interviewing with Calgary, Mark Savard. I, I think if Savvy could hand out or at least go and give out just some of the passing that he used to do and as to make them think a little bit differently. I'm not saying they're winning the Metro, but but I think they could contend for a wild card. Yeah, so you have Devils, Carolina Rangers, basically fighting one, two, three. And then you have the veteran mess of Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Islanders in that middle pack. And then you have the bottom, which is the Flyers. So then you're kind of saying, like, where did a Blue Jackets kind of fit in all this. I think they can certainly bypass Washington. I we need to see what the Islanders do this offseason. I think Pittsburgh will be better, like if they, if they solve Sullivan especially. So then you're looking at the fifth seed uh, in the Metro, and is that enough to get you a wild card spot in the playoffs? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I mean. I mean... You would honestly have to see. I mean, there there is some young talent there. Um, the other big thing, at least with Columbus right now, is they have 16 mil in cap space. They can definitely bring in something. And don't so, they have – hold on. Let me look real quick before we move to the Stanley Cup final. Their uh, draft capital – Oh, they they got a lot of picks oh, yeah. on the draft. Two, two firsts yeah. this year, a second, two thirds, two fourths in this year's draft alone. Fifth. Yeah. There was one team that I was looking at where their draft. Oh yeah, the Blackhawks. Two firsts, four seconds, two thirds. <laughs> they have two first round picks for the next three drafts. They have two second round picks, at least two second round picks in the next three drafts. Like they're loaded, so. Yeah, I was going to say Chicago alone in the offseason, they need $20 million in cap just to get to the floor. So which bad contracts are they going to give out this summer? (laughs) Uh, I just wonder if it'll just be LTIR shit because at least then it gets you to the floor and you could write it off and grab somebody else. Or just on a bunch of inflated one-year deals for guys like Luch and just have them skate on your third line. Or just have them there to protect fucking uh, the investment that's coming in Bedard. Do you think Luch will get a job next season in the league? Or you think he's kind of, if he doesn't 
retire, he's going to kind of be unofficially retired, not by choice. No, no, I, I do believe he will get a job next year. I just wonder on a pride level. I mean, this is a guy that was making, you know, six and a half million dollars a year. Now, is he going to stoop to the level of going for a million dollar, two million dollar contract? I don't know. And I think that's kind of the mental battle as to will he or won't he? Or like you said, is he just going to, you know, tie him up? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's a league minimum guy at this point, to be honest. Not even two mil. Can't do my guy like that. Hey, listen, Luch had his run. It comes for everybody, father time. Um, but all right, so our Stanley Cup final uh, preview, just like we both predicted way back in September, it's the Vegas Golden Knights against the Florida Panthers. And just like we said before the first round started, the two best goaltenders in the playoffs are going to be Aiden Hill and Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, you know, we keep nailing it, man. We get it down every single time. Uh, but first, kick it off with your thoughts about Vegas holding on to knock off Dallas and Florida just kind of doing their thing in the conference final and having basically two weeks off between now and then. Do you think that's going to hurt them, or do you think they're they're so kind of in their flow that it doesn't really impact them at all? Well, I will say this. I'm pretty sure I did pick Florida in our preseason predictions. I think it was Florida and Nashville is what I picked. But um, if you – I got to double check that. If you pick Florida for the Stanley Cup final, we should have been pumping this up a lot more. Yeah, well, I mean, they played my guys the first round. It wasn't what I was expecting. I'm going to double check you know, that. Throw me for I'm going to check. If that's I, right, I, I'm going to give I, you some massive props. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I said Florida was going to win the Cup this Shit, year. Man. But, um, no, I don't know what to expect with this 10-day layoff. I was thinking kind of the same thing as you were. Like, I, I think this kind of hurts Florida a little bit. I, I think they were playing a very good style of hockey for them. Obviously, I'm sure they were banged up, so a couple of days off is good for the body. Ten, a little much. Um, as for Vegas and getting by Dallas, I mean, lucky for them. I mean, Jake had a bad night, a very bad yeah. night. Luckily for them, it was in a closeout game. If that's a different way and this go ended up going seven, who knows what happens here? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, as for Hill and Bobrovsky, Bob, one of the biggest things I've been seeing with him is he can't keep weight on when he plays these games. They're saying, but before and after game, he's losing between 10 and 15 pounds. And I understand a lot of it's water weight. But they showed a picture of him the other day in the locker room, just like getting undressed out of the pads. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he lost like 20 pounds. Wow. In that game. Like he is thin, 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 like really little. And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I think this is great for him to end up building up a, a couple of pounds back on. <laughs> but going into it, I mean, what are you thinking here? What, what are your thoughts? I mean. Is this Kachuk train still going to ride? Is it still going to be a bus and 10 type deal for it? Or how's it going to go? Is Vegas going to get an advantage here with boys playing playoff games in Vegas? <laughs> like, 
I don't know what to expect out of this. Yeah, one. I think this is going to be a really good Stanley Cup final. I think both of these teams match up really well. I know when the playoffs started, uh, we both had our doubts about Really, the only doubts was, uh, especially for Florida, was goaltending. And Bobrovsky's quieted to quit uh, critics. Um, in Vegas, it was goaltending, and I just wasn't really sold on their fourth-line depth. Um, but Hill's come in and basically run with the number one job. And not so much that the fourth-line has turned it around for Vegas. Um, they're still at a negative when their fourth-line's on the ice. But their top six has been so dominant that it makes up for anything. Eichel has been exactly what he was billed to be. Um, and who thought that Eichel would get to the Stanley Cup before Conor McDavid? Um, no shit, right? <laughs> but I think these two teams match up really well. You have Eichel on his streak, uh, kind of on paper, going against Kachuk. Uh, you have Mark Stone and Barkov, two very similar veteran leaders and solid play as well. I know once Stone's a winger. Um, you have the two hot goaltenders. I think the one advantage that Vegas has roster-wise is their defense is ju- uh, just bigger and more structurally sound than any defense group that Florida has had to play in a playoff so far, including Boston. Uh, I think one through six, Vegas is just rolling right now. Um, so I think it's going to be much harder for Florida to generate offense. And I don't know. I mean, I know you have Sam Bennett um, and Verhage and guys like that where they'll go to the dirty areas. But because of their size limitations, I think it might pose a problem for them to be able to get into the paint and generate the offense that they've generated, especially in a conference final. So I think that's one advantage that Vegas has. What comes down to me is what Florida shows up for game one because of the layoff. Mm-hmm. And yep. who's the better coach? I think it comes down to game one and coaching. Like as, if all things stay the same, like no injuries and the clock doesn't strike midnight for one of these goaltenders. It's, Basically, who's going to outcoach who? Is Cassidy going to be the better coach in the series over Maurice or vice versa? And I think game one and a coaching matchup is going to be the deciding factor for me. I agree on the coaching. I think that's a integral part here. Obviously, when, when you get to a final, there's so many other variables. But I think sometimes people throw coaching out the window as to, like, you know, what to expect, what not to expect. I have always been a very big advocate of Paul Maurice. I think he's done it a long time. I think he did a very good job with Winnipeg. He's won a cup before with Carolina. But I think for Bruce Cassidy, I think there's a little bit of a a chip on the shoulder here. I mean, you, you get gassed by a team. Now you're with a new team. You're in the Stanley Cup final. They had the best regular season of all time. And I know he'll probably get asked this from reporters and he's going to brush it off. I don't work there anymore. I think there's nothing more he would love to just feed a nice piece of humble pie to Don <laughs> Sweeney. Open up, Uncle Donnie. Here you go. So I do think that is going to be a crucial factor. 
I agree with you about the D, uh, especially on the Vegas end. They're a lot bigger than anyone Florida has played. And is that going to affect what has made them such a good team so far as to getting the puck in the dirty areas, manhandling defensemen, getting pucks, getting chances in front? I wonder as well, I mean, I would have to think advantage here, Florida, in the sense of there is any game that is tied late in the game, they're going to feel extremely comfortable playing in it. Just like they're playing at home, Sunday stroll, just because, I mean, Kachuk has carried them throughout this playoffs, I mean, astronomically, especially with these game-winning goals and what he's been able to do. So now if, uh, just a hypothetical, if Vegas can neutralize Kachuk, who on Florida can carry them? That I don't know. Because no one else has really seemed to done it this whole playoffs. I mean, Barkov's been relatively Yeah, Barkov's been, he's Um, lucky that Kachuk's been taking the, the heat off of him. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, Verhage's had his uh, moments. Duke. Bennett's had his moments. Reinhardt's been solid, uh, but Kachuk's the straw that stirs the drink. So, yeah, exactly. So I just wonder if you know, if neutralized, what exactly does Florida have up their sleeve? And that's what I don't know. I know their D have been very active. Montour's basically a fourth forward on every every play, jumping in. I do think though. They need to be very careful because Vegas is a team that will make them pay every time if they end up coughing the puck over while he's down there deep. Ekblad's also another so, one quiet playoff run. Mm-hmm. Ekblad's been very quiet. So, yeah, I just – you touched on the top six of Vegas. I just don't know if, if Kachuk gets quiet here, who carries this team. So, your prediction – My prediction, and I think I'm just riding the hot hand right now, and I also think that Bob is a little bit more of a household name than Aiden Hill is. I am going to go Florida in six. Okay. So I look at it where... Florida has made it to the Stanley Cup final. I know Bobrovsky's had an unreal run. Kachuk has had an unreal run of of clutch moments. But they haven't gotten anything close to what they need from their captain and their best defenseman. And I think in an even matchup, Vegas... Vegas has basically been playing with house money with their with their group, and that's all the credit in the world to the guys and to Cassidy and the coaching staff for elevating them. But there's not someone on our roster that I look at and go, "Oh man, if he gets going too, that's trouble." Everybody's already that's doing yeah. their. Everybody's already gotten going, <laughs> but when I look at Florida, I still think that they still have another level if they get more consistent contributions from Ekblad and Barkov. Um, So all things being equal, I can see Vegas winning because their D 
just keeps suffocating. Um, Hill keeps playing, and then Eichel just carries the offense like they've done all three rounds so far. But when I look at Florida, I see one through four, a pain in the ass, tough forward group who can score in multiple ways. Guys who have been there, done that. They killed the beast in Boston. They are not scared of overtime. They are not scared of being tied or down late. Um, and they still haven't gotten everything they can get from everybody. Like even a guy like Duclair has been quiet. So for me, I think all things being equal health wise, I think Florida has the edge in a long series just because of the confidence factor. I'm going Florida in seven. I think they split the first two. I think they lose game one because of the layoff. They don't get blown out or anything, but I think they don't pull it out. And I think it's going to be a long series, but I think when you play a team seven times to be at your best all seven games and still feel like, God damn, the other team just has it going. I think Florida's that team and they pull it out and the Stanley Cup goes to South Florida. And I mean, too bad you still weren't there. That'd be a nice little party to be a part of. Yeah, me and all the 11 other Panthers fans. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I mean, you could, uh, you could just get the fake plastic rats and just throw them wherever you want. It'd be okay. That's the thing too, where I kind of, and this is where my off ice mindset comes into some of my gut feelings. I think of, you know, it, it'd be nice to see Vegas get the win because I don't know if they'll, they're going to be back anytime soon. I can see Florida being back next year, the year after things like that. But with the Raiders moving to Vegas um, and now it looks like the Oakland A's moving to Vegas, it would be nice for the NHL to be the first championship team in that quote-unquote new sports city before all these other teams start coming in and taking you know, eyes off the TV deal, play, uh, peeling fans away, been there, done that, where they already went to a Stanley Cup final and lost. Now they go another time and lose. So that was where my, my heart was when I was thinking of who to pick. I was like, it would be nice to Vegas get that win I, uh, just because of all that in Florida. We'll have more chances, I think. But when it comes to just wanting to be right, I think Florida on the ice is a more deserving team. And with Bill Zito, man, he's done a heck of a job. I don't know if you saw that breakdown on the athletic of all the behind the scenes stuff that they've done the last few years. Um, But they're trying to turn Florida and the Panthers organization into a top five franchise. So if they win a cup, I don't think they're going to have any trouble recruiting big time free agents that go play in South Florida with that team. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> Tax free, baby. Uh, but yes, all right. So you got uh, Vegas and six, Florida and six. <laughs> I'm trying to split the difference. So Florida and six. I got Florida and seven. Either way, I think we both agree it's going to be a, a great Stanley like Cup final. Uh, we thought it would be like that last year. A little disappointed between. Uh, Tampa and Colorado in terms of excitement and series-defining moments, but I think we're going to get that this year. I hope. So we need a, we need something like the save, like Holby had against Vegas, or like a penalty shot 
with Bory against Richter and all these things where it's like mm-hmm. you can point back and go, remember that Stanley Cup final? Oh, yeah, that, that happened. Like we need something like that for the league right now. Yeah, get everything going. I mean, I guess the plus side of it is Kachuk's been showing some personality in some interviews, so definitely another face of the league that they're at least getting out of him, which is uh, I'm sure they're very happy. I mean, it's on TNT too, which the NBA, they've had Kachuk on the NBA and TNT broadcasts. Um, The Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals, so there's also that cross-promotion of two Miami teams are in uh, the championship round, so it's been nice that TNT has both sports, uh, so they can cross promote, and also teams from the same city in the uh, championship. So it's been easy marketing for them. I do want to ask: Do you hear how Charles Barkley pronounced Kachuk and Bobrovsky? No, I, I sent that video to you. They were talking about uh, this was right after Florida clinched to go to the Stanley Cup final. And they were talking about it on TNT, and Charles Barkley pronounced Kachuk and Bobrovsky in ways that I didn't even think was physically possible for a human being to say. <laughs> like, I think he was Chuck. so confused by how to start T and K together. <laughs> but I'll send you that clip when we get off. It was fucking hilarious. It was all over, uh, like Reddit and stuff. Or like, even NBA fans who had no idea who these players were like, how actually do you say it? And then they were watching clips and like, yo, this kid Chuck guy's fucking nasty dude. <laughs> yeah. So our, um, I saw the shack part of it when he goes, Matthew, I just got to tell you, I don't watch hockey. I just love when you guys beat the <laughs> crap out of each other. I was like, like what a way to just start it on live. I will television. end with this. If Florida does end up lifting the Stanley cup, please, Matthew, Take the fucking mouth guard out before you do so. Please, I'm begging you. Don't chew it as you skate around the cup over your head, please. I, I'm trying to like you and give you respect because of the run you've been on. Please don't do that to me. If uh, if that happens, I'll, I'll be ordering uh, for me and you a bus in 10 <laughs> But All right, man. So we got to send like a final picks in. Um, if it goes to a game seven, we'll record an episode before the game. Uh, just to get our thoughts on a series in and kind of get a feel for what we think is going to happen going to the deciding game. But um, I, I hate to come back to it, man. I'm nervous about Heinz. <laughs> I'm nervous <laughs> about Heinz. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, we'll see how you like your oh, catch boy. up, Benny. And we will uh, go from 57. there. 57. What is it? Heinz 57, right? Yeah, that's 57, yeah. And I think he might be 57. That's the amount of points year. that we'll have next year if we hire him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, any shout outs for you? Shout outs for me. I have one um, going back to our old days in Worcester, an old friend, the most winningest coach in AHL history, Roy Sommer, calls it a career. Uh, all the best out to Roy, the family. Uh, the son, Mo. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mo was the best. Uh, just hope uh, he can finally go and enjoy that cabin in Montana full time and enjoy the retired Great life. guy. And obviously, you spent more time with him being uh, in the coach's room versus me in the PR front office. Um, but I just hope, besides your well wishes, that Roy gets to enjoy not having to deal with uh, 
self-important interns walking past his office who have papers for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But all right. So we'll talk to you either in about a week before game seven or a little over a week after the cup final is over and we'll recap everything that happened and then kind of set ourselves up for a little bit of a summer preview franchise preview for the Bruins and Rangers, uh, free agents, draft, all that other fun stuff. I mean, the cup might be having a summer in Miami. We'll we'll catch you all guys next week. I have to say what I feel. Miami has so much appeal. A great place to get a seafood meal. Miami, Miami, you've got style. Blue sky, sunshine, white sand, my love, mile. When you live in this town, each day is sublime. The coldest of winters are born and divine. Miami, Miami, you've got style. Blue sky, sunshine, white sand, my love, mile. There's no pubs and nightclubs. Each day, break time. The cream of the crop gets the top.